Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliott Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Hey friends and welcome, Jen here, and as always with me, but sitting 2,000 miles away from me, is my buddy, astrologer April Elliott Kent. April, hey! Jen! I am very far away from you. So far away. Despite your constant urging for me to move to the Twin Cities, where today it's like, what, 10 degrees or something? Um, it's... It's cold, but it just, you know, all you need is layers, really. And the snow is very pretty. So we've the got snow that is going very for pretty. Us. Yes, I have seen, I was telling you, I saw your Instagram pictures of Jack and Bear looking all beautiful and yep, my dogs, black, for those who don't know, mm-hmm. popping against the, the white snowy backgrounds. Very yeah. visual, very yeah. enticing. Yeah. It's not so bad, you know. You've got you're the, making it look good. The sunny. It's always it's <laughs> not always, but it's frequently. I should say sunny, and that's one of these days. The sun is out. The snow looks crisp and white, and that's the dream. Here we are. It is indeed a winter wonderland. And you wonderland. are in San Diego. Yeah, I'm in San Diego. Where today, as I told you, it's a bone chilling 55 degrees. Very so we're cold. Really, yes. We're really struggling here. <laughs> I may actually start the fireplace today for the first time this season. Ooh, do you have to light it with a match or is it gas? It's got a gas igniter, Mm -hmm. so it will help you out. But then it's all on the wood, so you have to have some skills. You have to have some fire-making skills. Uh Now, were you a Girl Scout when you were a kid? I was. Were you? I was a brownie. Yeah, I was a brownie. Maybe I was a Girl Scout for one year. Not very long, though. Yeah, it was like it went brownie and then junior, I think, and we got to junior. And okay. then we moved to California, where apparently that was not as much the done thing where we live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we did not learn to build fires. You can see where I was going with that, exactly. Yeah, yeah. we did You could learn probably it. get a, some kind of a badge, right? Well, I'll tell you what I remember about Girl Scouts. I remember cheating for some of my merit badges because I was a pint-sized Richard Nixon, apparently. <laughs> and my mother had to, my mother kind of figured it out. I got Saturn in Capricorn. You can't turn your back on me. But when she found out, to her credit, I remember writing something about this. To her credit, what she made me do was fulfill all the requirements for the badge. She didn't rat me out. Okay. But she said, no, we're going to go through this. I'm going to make sure you're doing every step and you're earning these badges. Well, good for her. Yes, she was a good person. And Mm -hmm. so I remember that. And I remember Vienna sausages at camp. Vienna sausages? Those little bitty cocktail weenies? Yes, they look like fingers fingers from a horror movie. No, they're not in a sauce. No sauce. But they're, yeah, so I remember taking those uh, for for lunch to camp. This is the sum total of my memory of being a Girl Scout. There were no fires. There were no camping skills. There was nothing super useful that I took from those experiences. Which badges were you cheating at? That I do not recall, but it's safe to say it was a good number of them. Sounds like, though, your mom was very attentive. Yeah, she was, and she was a good moral conscience. Mm-hmm. She was my Jiminy Cricket, so that's a, a very good thing, because left to my own devices, I could be getting impeached right now. <laughs> she was your Yoda. Uh, she was my Yoda. Yeah, <laughs> she, was, she was a good lady. So it, how did we go down that road? Oh, it had to do with fire. It had oh, to do fire, with fire. Yeah. So I do have lots of planets in fire signs. So I will commune with my native element today. And yes, at some point it'll get a little too warm because 55 still isn't quite enough for a good roaring fire. So 
she said to the Minnesotan. I know. <laughs> do you guys have a fireplace? Because I know we do. you have a yeah, similar vintage house yeah. that we do. Isn't it great? Mm-hmm. I love having a fireplace. Yeah. Uh, I lived in a house once without one and, uh, you know, first world problem. But I... Um, <laughs> Sadness befell the land. After that, I learned, yeah, I really like having a fireplace. So... Yep. That's same with me. It would be very hard to live in a house without a fireplace or without a cat. Oh. So listen in there, Spikey. Spike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hang in there, Spike. Yeah. So last week we talked quite a lot about a lot of things. We talked about that full moon, which as we record this, we'll just sort of let the cat out of the bag. We're about a week behind. <laughs> Pun intended. Yes. <laughs> of when this will uh, air. And we're just on the brink of that full moon. Mm-hmm. And this airs on December 17th, unless we switch to Mondays, which we're thinking of doing. We are thinking of doing that. So this will either air the 16th or the 17th, and this is episode four. We should probably say that, too. Oh, thank you. So that's what we talked about last week. We talked quite a lot about that that full moon and all the relationship stuff that has been happening. This week, we turn in the lunar cycle to the last quarter moon. What can you tell us about that? Well, the last quarter moon is the part in the cycle where we take stock. And if the full moon reveals everything... As we talked about last week, you know, everything is illuminated, illuminated, right? At the last quarter moon, we take a look at it and it's one last chance to get the very most from whatever we started at the new moon, Mm -hmm. get the very most out of this cycle before we start ramping down and moving towards the next new cycle. The last quarter moon is a little bit of the energy of Capricorn. So it's appropriate. We were talking about my checkered history as a pint-sized Richard Nixon. Um, <laughs> because it, so the thing about the last quarter moon is, like, for instance, I was born at the last quarter moon. So I have a little bit of insight into this. Mm. The last quarter moon, it tends to be pretty ambitious because it wants to leave its legacy. It wants to leave a mark on the world. And it also has the ability to put things into a larger context, I would say. You're at the part in the lunar cycle where you could either have some regrets about what you haven't got done, sure. <laughs> or you could start thinking ahead to, okay, well, maybe that didn't quite work. And as we get into the next new moon, maybe I'll change course slightly, do mm-hmm. things a little bit differently. But the last quarter can be a little bit of a melancholy time. And it can be a time of taking stock. This one is in Virgo. So it really does have that tendency towards self-castigation. We can be a little critical of ourselves. We started out before we were recording today. I made a, (laughs) I made a comment about myself that was less than laudatory. And Jen sort of told me, okay, well, we have a rule in our house that if you say a bad thing about yourself, then you have to follow it up with three good things. That's right. That was not easy for somebody with lots of Virgo planets and Saturn in the second house. I'm like, okay, I could come up with one pretty quickly, but three was sort of tough. And you did a good job. We don't allow negative self-talk in our house. And Thank you, you. Although you are in San Diego, you are your face is in my house right now. So. <laughs> That's right. I'm figuratively <laughs> close to your house. So Virgo does have that tendency to be a little self-critical and so does the last quarter moon because the last quarter moon is measuring itself against a benchmark that nobody else can necessarily see but you're judging yourself by your own inadequacies you know relative to where you hoped you would be you now assess where you actually are well and the sun is in sag Mm -hmm. i know sag is sort of the broad view of things and, and squares indicate tension Does that mean that there's this cognitive dissonance going on between the broader view versus the details? 
I think cognitive dissonance is a really, really good description of squares generally, because you do have planets that are in two signs that it's not that they have nothing in common. The problem is they have quite a bit in common, but they are approaching things in stylistically a really different way. So as you say, Sagittarius is a big picture sign, and it doesn't tend towards a lot of self-criticism. Reflection, perhaps, because of the big picture aspect of it, but it doesn't tend to beat up on itself, per se. It says, oh, the sky's the limit. There is yet more to do. And if something doesn't necessarily work out or they fall a little short of the mark, they're like, oh, well, that's okay. There's a new mark right around the corner that I can reach for. But Virgo get, can get really stuck in that place of self-criticism or trying to make things too perfect. So the perfect being the, the enemy of the good. Right. That kind of idea. Right. So it can really hold Sagittarius back because Sagittarius doesn't want to be stopped by anything, wants no restrictions. And Virgo restricts itself quite a lot. So very well said. Well, thank you. Parts of it were. <laughs> See, <laughs> there I she goes again. Out. Do you want to say out. three good things about yourself now, April? <laughs> no, but maybe we'll sprinkle them through throughout the rest of the episode here. <laughs> so the last quarter moon is the time of the lunar cycle where we feel kind of energized to make one last push to get something going. So if you look back at what you started at the new moon on what well, November 30th or whenever it was. Planting seeds in the dark. Yeah. And then we had the first quarter, which is, oh, okay, we're going to actually do something. We're going to make some kind of start towards making this big dream a reality. Then we get to the full moon of Gemini, and it says, oh, that's what's really going on. So you get the full picture. Mm -hmm. The last quarter says, in response to seeing everything that's actually at play, you can make one last push to try to get to the finish line. At this point, some people give up altogether, and they say, eh, that wasn't really for me. Or they decide, okay, it really is worth it. I'm going to really dig in my heels and get to the finish line. This is the part where really you've kind of been gathering things mm -hmm. and you're sort of looking through them and saying, well, what could I do differently next time to get a better crop? Taking notes. Yeah. yeah. And no point beating up on yourself about it, but you could say, well, what do I need to do to the soil maybe? Or is this just the wrong crop? Mm -hmm. Was it the wrong phase of the moon that I planted this stuff? However it is that you want to figure it out. But this is the time for figuring it out and formulating a long-term strategy for doing things a little differently. A moment ago, you mentioned that you were born at the last quarter, and this is slightly off topic, although it does tie in. Does it matter what point in the lunar cycle you were born at in terms of how you operate in your life? It matters hugely. And we should probably do an entire episode on it, oh, actually, at some great. point. Yeah, I did a lot of research on that, especially as it relates to relationship. The lunar phase that you're born at really has... A wonderful way of describing what your needs are in relationship and what you bring to the table mm. for relationship and what you can learn from the opposite lunar phase to yours. So oh. what, fa what phase were you born at? I was a new, a new moon baby. That's right. The new moon. Yeah. Yeah. I like new moon people because they're very emotionally self-sufficient. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's not that they won't. Yeah. yeah. It's not that they won't. It's super me. Yeah. yeah. They don't spend a lot of time looking at what other people are doing. Yeah. Although yours is in Libra. You'll see what the other people are doing, but you don't feel so much the need to define what you are doing 
relative to what other people are doing, I would say. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I've always sort of marched to my own beat, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's it's a little more self-contained. The last quarter moon has certain things in common with the new moon. They're both born in a darker part of the cycle. Oh. So at the new moon, of course, it's totally dark at night if you go out. Right. At the last quarter, you're moving away from the brightest part of the cycle and toward the darkest part of the cycle. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of right in between the two. But you're leaning towards that darkness. And the darkness symbolizes the ability to be alone, to be self-contained, to live in your own mind and listen to your own voice instead of relying so much on asking other people what they think. I have a friend who is a really talented writer, and she likes to get input from other people about what she's written. And it would never for a moment occur to me to do that. Because <laughs> I'm like, what do they know? I'm writing it. This is, uh, you know? <laughs> They'll have their opinions once it's done, but I don't want that other voice in my head. And she finds value in that. And she finds value in it. And some mm-hmm. people do. So I think for people like you and I, we're a little less apt to do that. So yeah, the phase that you're born at, I think is really important because it sets the stage of your expectations about life and about other people and your general orientation towards, say, emotional self-sufficiency and a real need to be connecting with others to identify who you are. Does that help answer the question? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll do a whole mini app. That would be great. That is rich territory. Yeah. We can have fun with that. Yeah. So what else is coming up this week after the last quarter moon in Virgo? Well, we talked last week about Mercury going into Sagittarius. We talked at some length. And during that conversation, I did sort of mention that along the way, Mercury would make a square to Neptune Mm -hmm. from Sagittarius. And that does happen this week on the 19th, the evening of the 19th. That's Thursday. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's say the 18th and 19th in particular, Mm -hmm. Mercury might behave almost as though it's retrograde. A little bit, because Neptune has that quality of, say, inattention, forgetfulness, lack of focus. So usually the problems that we have when Mercury is retrograde are really problems of focus or attention. We lose our car keys. Well, it just means we didn't pay attention when we put them down. Uh They didn't move, (laughs) hopefully, unless you're living in a really different reality. Yeah. So it's a distractedness usually that comes in. And the analogy that I came up with is it's like doing math when you've just woken up from a nap. You just, (laughs) your brain's not operating in that way on that level. So mm-hmm. the of course the good qualities because this is good quality of any aspect and Mercury coming together with Neptune always has the potential to be very creative hmm. because and especially if you do something like writing which is very dependent on putting the ineffable into words yeah. and the struggle that that involves which is represented by a square it means we're, yeah we're really struggling getting those two parts of the consciousness working in harmony the linear part and the abstract part. Yeah. So that's the 18th and the 19th. Again, Mercury moves quickly. This is not something that's going to define your whole life, but it just says for a couple of days, don't try to do math when you've just woken up from a nap. Sure. And this applies to everyone. Yes. Yeah. I had someone mention to me, and she doesn't know a lot about astrology. She just asked about if the things that we were talking about were for everybody or if it was just for certain people with a square here and a conjunction there, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I'm glad you you stopped us to clarify that. 
Now, I would say that people who are born with lots of planets, say the sun or the moon or the ascendant, especially in Gemini or Virgo, which are signs ruled by Mercury, right? they might tend to experience this a little more strongly than other people. Because they have that extra Mercury power in their chart. Yes. So they are a little more under the influence of this square, but it's something we're all more or less dealing with. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for clarifying oh, that. Oh, yeah. And a square, again, is if you're able to, and you could put your arms one in front of you, directly in front of you, and the other one directly to your side. April is doing this as I'm watching her. That's very good, Jen. Do you like that? I do. Yes. Pretend Neptune is off the end of one hand and Mercury is off the other hand. And that is a square. I will say it's a little uncomfortable the longer you hold it, just like a square. <laughs> <laughs> I do have the ability, but I find it a bit wearing. And that's an <laughs> even better analogy for a square. It's oh, hard work. Yeah. It takes some effort. Yeah, that's great. To bring nice the job. two together. Yeah. And uh -huh. you can see they're far apart. They're never going to come completely together, right? Right. But right. at least but they battle it out, and it's like doing any kind of exercise. It makes us stronger mm -hmm. to work through something. And if you can resolve that somehow, that's the point of a square, isn't it? Ha <laughs> ha, point of a square. Ah, I get it. You made it funny. <laughs> I didn't mean to, but it's the moment it came out of my mouth, I knew. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah, that's the whole point is to, yeah, yeah. It's, you're never going to reconcile them. They're never going to be exactly alike, but they're they're helping you work a muscle. Yeah. Cool. Now- the other big news of the week, before we get to the solstice, which is probably the biggest news of the week, is Venus gets this one-two punch this week of Aquarian slash Uranian energy. Venus, again, is is a symbol of relationships, of our financial well-being, of the things we enjoy, of possessions, Christmas gifts, whatever it is, and the way we just generally enjoy life and other people. So we began this podcast, I think, on the week that Venus entered Capricorn and, yeah. and quite an examination of that. I don't think we're going to go into quite as much detail about Aquarius. You can listen to episode one if you want to, friends. We talked about it. About Venus entering yeah. a sign. So that's a good review. And I also have an article on my website from last year when Venus went to Aquarius. And we will reference that in the show notes so you can take a look at that to get a little more because we certainly don't want to give our Venus and Aquarius people short shrift, no. if you happen to have been born with Venus in that sign. Mm -hmm. uh, but for everybody, Venus now moving into Aquarius, a sign of independence, personal space, friendship, those kinds of alliances which are based on mutual interest, uh -huh. rather than necessarily deep emotional connection. It's not that people who are born with Venus and Aquarius will not have any deep emotional connections. Of course. Obviously, they will. But the nature of their intimacy tends to be a little more wanting the personal space, needing a little breathing room, needing lots of time to, and this is for all of us as Venus goes into Aquarius, maybe just needing a little more time to ourselves. I think it's pretty common during the holidays that we're surrounded by people all the time yeah. and going to parties and doing all of that. Venus and Aquarius, to some extent, favors that because it's about getting together with people in a sort of informal, less intimate way. 
and it just enjoying people on a more superficial level. Mm-hmm. But in terms of intimate relationships, where we're called to be together with the people who are really important in our lives, like family and very close friends and partners, you might find, say, you know, maybe you work at home and your partner is off for the holidays and they're in your space a lot more than you're used to. <laughs> and Venus and Aquarius goes, I don't know, maybe I need to get out of here. <laughs> so... Oh, Spike is on the move. He is hearing me talk about Aquarius. And that's funny that you say that because one of my dogs is dreaming right now and his legs are going back and forth. Like he's having doggy dreams. He's moving a lot right now. We're having some kind of active animal transit here at the (laughs) podcast. So I'm monitoring the situation spike-wise. We may have to interrupt ourselves for a moment so I can let him out. Say he needs his space. Mm. He needs his independence. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to be in here. That's right. So I said this was a twofold right influence and the other one is venus's connection with uranus by square again we're talking about a square which happens on december 22nd and uranus is a planet of sudden change of rebelliousness of breaking away so we can hear right away that venus and uranus by their very natures are a bit at conflict Mm, because of the square yeah well because of the nature of the planets too So Venus wants togetherness. I see. Uranus wants space. So just in and of themselves, they're at cross purposes. You know, what's interesting is that those two planets actually rotate on their axis clockwise, and every other planet rotates counterclockwise. Oh, isn't that interesting? I didn't know that about Venus. And the sun rotates counterclockwise. But yeah, it's pretty interesting that they're the two planets that rotate in the same direction of all of them. Well, that brings us to an interesting point about their connection right now in the mm, sky. Say more. They're in a position known as mutual reception, which means each one is in the sign that's ruled by the other. Oh. So if Venus is in Aquarius, which is ruled, the modern ruler of it is Uranus, uh-huh. right? And then Uranus is in Taurus, which is ruled by Venus. (laughs) So what this does is give the ability for the two planets to work together a little more effectively than they normally would, given that it's a square and given that the nature of the planets is a little bit at odds. Interesting. So it's a little bit like if I were house sitting for you. And you were house-sitting at the exact same time for me. Yes. We would, in some senses, want to be at... We we would not want to be, rather, at cross-purposes. We would want to treat each other's space with respect. That is one way to look at it. I hadn't thought of it that way. It's more that you are at ease in the Ah, other's home. Okay. So even though I'm looking after Jack and Baron, I'm not really used to looking after dogs. Mm Mm-hmm. And you would be looking after Spike, and that's not necessarily something you're doing all the time with a kitty. Still, it becomes a fun experience, a different experience, something that's enjoyable rather than something that is aggravating or threatening or off-putting. Yeah. So that's some of the thoughts that I had about Venus this week. We've been talking about Venus a lot. A lot lately, yeah. Yeah. It's a sort of a pivotal time, I guess, and relationships and yeah and it's interesting how it seems to go through phases with planets you know one might be drawing attention one week and the next week and the next week and then all of a sudden here comes some other planet doing their thing that's just the nature of life huh venus likes attention yeah and we will find ourselves talking about the moon mercury and venus quite a lot on this podcast because those are the things that are showing a lot of activity each week 
because they move a little more quickly. Faster, yeah. Now, the other thing that we really wanted to focus on this week is the solstice. Mm-hmm. Here in the Northern Hemisphere, we call it the winter solstice. That's how we're experiencing it here. Our friends down under, of course, are in the height of summer. Right. And they do their Christmas at the beach, which always kind of fascinates me. But they're eating, you know, I'm married to somebody from the Southern Hemisphere, from New Zealand. And Mm -hmm. I asked him, what's Christmas like down there? And he said, oh, you know, I don't know. They go to the beach, but they have these huge English dinners. (laughs) It'll be like 90 degrees, but they're eating roast beef and (laughs) all of that. So it's just... (laughs) They still have comfort the, food. <laughs> yeah, comfort food. Yeah. Just the traditional Christmas trimmings. Yeah. So four times each year, the sun enters one of the cardinal signs, we call them. Aries, Cancer, Libra, or Capricorn. Mm-hmm. And each of these marks the transition to a new season. Yes. So we say the cardinal signs are initiating energy and they initiate a new season. Mm-hmm. So in the spring and the autumn, we have the equinoxes, which mark the equal length of day and night. Mm-hmm. And the summer and winter solstices mark the longest days right. of the year. And sometimes I, I just wanted to bring it up because some people have a hard time differentiating between the two. So if you were looking at a zodiac wheel, and we've described this before, but if you took a perfectly vertical line and a perfectly horizontal line and put a cross in that chart, that is where the four points that you're referring to would be. Mm -hmm. Where these four points hit the circle is from the left, the spring equinox. Again, this is the northern hemisphere. Reverse it if you're in the southern hemisphere. On the bottom is the summer solstice. On the right is the fall equinox, and at the very top of that circle would represent Capricorn, the winter solstice that we're approaching here in the Northern Hemisphere. Right. So what's happening is, at the winter solstice, we know that we have the shortest day of the year. And it's when the sun reaches its minimum elevation at noon. So if you were tracking this and you went outside, you know, month by month or whatever, and you could actually plot where the height that the sun gets to in the noonday sky, we would say that it's at its lowest. So we have this low winter light at this time of year. Mm -hmm. And then at the solstice, it seems to stand still, and then it begins its slow ascent. It starts to climb in the noonday sky to its maximum elevation, which is at summer solstice. Yeah, and solstice actually means, literally, sol is sun, and Stis means staying in one spot, yeah. staying still. It's when the sun stands still yeah. and starts changing in another direction relative to the horizon. Uh-huh. So what I like about the symbolism, at least for the northern hemisphere, is the sun's actually at its lowest point at the winter solstice, but it begins to climb. And that's what we associate with Capricorn is uh. that climb and the ambition <laughs> uh-huh. and getting to the top of the hill. The mountain so, goat, yeah. Yeah, the mountain goat. So this is us starting out at the bottom of the mountain and looking ahead and saying, oh, my God, look how far I have to go. Yeah. But it's just taking it one hoof step at a time, you're climbing <laughs> that hill. Uh-huh. And there that's are great. so many traditions associated with the, the solstice and arguably the whole observance of Christmas. And the holiday season, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has its origin yeah. around the, the pagan holidays that celebrated the return of the light, the days starting to get longer, mm-hmm. which happens after the solstice. Yeah. So it's 
yeah, the return of the light is what the celebration is about. And it can happen between the 21st or 22nd because the sun's lap around the zodiac is not exactly the same length as a calendar year. Right. <laughs> so, so the day can shift a little bit. Yeah. From year to year. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. But that's mm-hmm. roughly it. So we're at the energetic low point in the year and we're moving towards the vernal equinox will be our next big quarter okay. holiday Yeah, where everything starts anew. And we hit the ground running. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's the solstice. That's the 21st or the 22nd. Hanukkah is the 22nd. I looked. Perfect. Happy Hanukkah to our Jewish friends. Yes. That's yeah. very nice. Having having everybody celebrating together. Mm-hmm. We'll have, you know, the pagans celebrating solstice. And then we have Hanukkah. And we have Christmas Day and Kwanzaa and all of it sort of converging right. in one place. As we move closer and closer to the big Christmas Day solar eclipse. Oh, and do you want to say anything about that right now? I'll touch on it briefly, but okay. we'll, do, we'll really go into that next week because uh-huh. we're beginning to experience this eclipse probably as you're listening to this because about a week in advance of a solar eclipse is when I find we begin to experience it even on a physical level. We tend to feel a little bit, I don't know, agitated or, or rizzed up a little bit. As we move towards the solar eclipse, this solar eclipse, we have two solar eclipses each year, at least. Sometimes we have more. And they'll be six months apart, and they can be accompanied within two weeks either side by a lunar eclipse. Hmm. But you can have solar eclipses without lunar eclipses. But you can't have lunar eclipses without solar eclipses, is how it works. So this time we're having this solar eclipse, and then two weeks later we do have a lunar eclipse okay. that will be happening on January 10th in Cancer. Really the big news of a solar eclipse is look at the sign that it's in, which is Capricorn this time, mm-hmm. and look at the eclipse point where it falls in your chart. This eclipse point is at about four degrees of Capricorn. So we'll link again to my um, blog post that tells you how to find that in your chart. Yeah, we sure will. Yeah. So take the energy of an eclipse in Capricorn, which is, am I getting to the place that I want to be in life? Mm -hmm. It's a sign of worldly accomplishment. So our benchmarks tend to be outside ourselves. They tend to be external. And we say, how am I doing in relation to what I would like to ultimately be accomplishing in the world. Hmm. So it's about that. Capricorn and Cancer both are about how we're getting our actual needs met. Uh So with Capricorn, it's about the physical needs. Am I, do I have everything I need? Cancer can also bring in that component of emotional need. I see. Okay. I was wondering, April, if we could go through from the first house to the 12th house, and if you could just say one or two lines about what that would mean if four degrees Capricorn falls in your first house versus your eighth house versus your... Mm-hmm. Well, we will, but it would take some time, and I think we should do it next week and really make that the focus of the episode, because this oh, is going to come out be the day before the eclipse, and I promise we will do that. Okay, awesome. We'll do a quick line or two for each house. Yeah. And also probably about if it's making aspects to planets in your birth chart for people that are aware of that or have that level of knowledge. Right. So we can say, wow, what if you're born on Christmas Day? That means this eclipse is conjunct the sun in your birth chart. And that it's very meaningful, very significant. But if it's making a square to your Venus, that's also something that we want to look at. And is it making big aspects to things in your chart? Yes, it opposes my Venus. 
So I'm. It's all Venus all the time around here. <laughs> what about you? Is it close? To, it, it's squaring your sun and it Uranus. It's squaring my sun. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And anything that you have in your chart that's between about zero and eight degrees of a cardinal sign. Yes. Of Aries, Cancer, Libra, or Capricorn mm-hmm. is really being activated by this eclipse. Wow. So people could get their chart from the link that we'll post and then have it on hand for next week when we talk about it. Absolutely, they can. And I also sell a report that I'll tell people about. Excellent. I have an eclipse report called Followed by a Moon Shadow. That you created. That I did create many years ago, and it just keeps trucking on. And the nice thing about it is it gives you three years worth of eclipses. It looks at last year's because that set the stage for this year's. And then it looks at next year's as well. And it takes each of these eclipse points for the whole year and tells you which house of your chart it's in and which planets it's aspecting and what that means and how you can really get a lot out of that. Awesome. Yeah. So for people who are not quite at the level where it's easy for them to do that themselves, Uh and even I get people that know how to do it, but I'm saving them the trouble. And it's also going back and showing previous years when eclipses fell around this point because that's important. All the stuff's cyclical. What was true 19 years ago is to some extent true now. Because eclipses every 19 years repeat themselves, is that right? Well, they repeat themselves in your birth chart. And so they happen Uh more or less very close to the same days. Got it. So they'll activate the same points in your chart. But Mm -hmm. that is a discussion for next week when we will really go into great detail about eclipses. Great. You can all look forward to that then. Yes. Mm-hmm. I look forward to it. Yeah. What do you think? Is that Super it? Super cool. Yeah, I think that's it. Are we done? I think we're done. Okay. Well, we're going to thank the people for listening, and we hope that you all have a fantastic week as you're preparing for all of your various holiday celebrations. And if you like what you're hearing, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. You can also rate and review us in yeah, iTunes. please or- do that. That would help other people also find the podcast. Right. And make us sort of feel good about ourselves, which is, (laughs) (laughs) which can't be underestimated. Maybe April will have an easier time coming up with three things about herself. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Anyway, until then, thank you so much. We will see you next week. Until then, keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, please check out her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thought-provoking weekly essays, purchase her books, sign up for a personal astrology reading, and more. That's all for today. If you like what you're listening to, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast and hit subscribe to stay current with new episodes. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Sky Astrology. Thanks again for joining us and we'll catch you next time.